Well, good morning. We'll wait in just a minute. Let everybody log on here. But welcome to uh, Sunday morning here at the Hellsley House. This is my, I guess, my fireside pulpit because the backyard or back porch pulpit's frozen. And uh, here in Elgin, we have and continue to accumulate ice. I can see it uh, out the window there, and I, I'm sure you can, might be able to see it uh, here. But I, I do want to welcome you. And uh, thanks for joining us as you um, as you kind of percolate in. And maybe if you watch this later, uh, I'm grateful for the time that we have together. Uh, this won't be uh, anything too long, you know, I'm, I, uh, and it won't be it won't drag out. It won't be too intense in the sense like I'm not going to be uh, maybe like normally preaching. But I, I want you to feel like you're in my home, and uh, you would be uh, welcome here. And uh, this is. Uh, a place of, uh, of peace. It's God's made it sort of a haven. So I'm thankful. So we're going to be in Haggai uh, chapter 1. And as a church, we've, we're doing a little mini-series in the book of Haggai. Uh, and we're going to be in verses 12 through 15 of Haggai chapter 1. And, uh, and really the theme of Haggai is, one, uh, priorities. Like, is God first? Uh, if you remember last week, the, uh, the, the people who, who are sort of returning from exile, they land in Jerusalem. Haggai is the prophet, Zerubbabel is the governor, uh, Joshua is the priest, and you have, um, there was a lot of energy at the start, but as they ran into opposition in uh, restoring the land and seeing Jerusalem rebuilt after it had been torn down, seeing the uh, the, the temple rebuilt, all those sorts of things, that uh, they ran into opposition. And as the opposition uh, rose up and, their, uh, and the time stretched on, they, uh, they lost steam. They lost steam. They lost energy. They lost passion. They lost focus on what God had called them to do and what God had called them to be. And, and as such, what happens when... God's people, or really anybody, when we lose focus, uh, the, the number one priority moves from that which it ought to be, uh, and number one priority becomes ourselves. And so what happened with the people there in Jerusalem after the exile, remember the temple's been torn down, uh, this is 520 B.C., and so this is uh, almost a half a decade, half, excuse me, half a century uh, after Nebuchadnezzar had torn down the temple, and they're coming back after uh, from Persia. Anyways, don't worry about it. I'm going to walk through all that. I did that last week. You can go online and listen to that if you want to. Uh, but they, uh, as as they lost steam, they focused on themselves. So rather than investing in God's house, uh, rather than giving toward it, rather than laboring toward it, rather than praying for it, uh, they became focused on themselves. And so that's the indictment at the very beginning. Uh, of the book that uh, the people say it's not time to build God's house. And God says, is it not time, but it's time for you to build your own houses, to invest in your own fancy houses, to build up your own kingdoms. Uh, and whenever God's people in, encounter these types of difficult circumstances, it's very, very easy to withdraw, retract, and focus on ourselves, focus on our own Persons focus on our own work, focus on our own homes, rather than focusing on what God has called us to do. Uh, now, God's call doesn't 
uh, it does involve self, it does involve home, it does involve work, um, but our orientation must not be primarily upon ourselves, but rather upon Christ and other people. And this is what God has called us to do in uh, the, great, uh, the great commandment, right? Uh, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, but what happens when things get hard, say there's a pandemic. We don't know anything about that, whatever your opinions are on that. Or there are natural disasters or uh, threats of natural disasters. Some people have interpreted our string of earthquakes here in Elgin and Lugov as uh, something, some great impending uh, and I think scientists say that's not really the case, but it, it'll wake you up when everything starts shaking and you're not used to it. Or if you saw the tremendous footage, I would go. You should go check it out. The um, and we should we need to be in pray. On Tonga, there was a gigantic, uh, earth, uh, not earthquake, gigantic volcano eruption, and it's sending tsunamis throughout the Pacific and even uh, most of the west coast of the United States and of South America. Uh, and, and uh, I guess Mexico, Central America, uh, are under tsunami warnings because of this huge eruption. And so when, when we encounter things like these, and that's a dramatic example, and uh, this enduring pandemic that we're going through is a, is a maybe a less intense example, uh, or acute, uh, but, but we're, we have a tendency to retract. And for Christians, when we think about our cultural context, where... Uh, Things aren't as they once were. Um, Christianity is not popular. Uh, following Christ is not popular. Holding to biblical standards of sexuality and of, of humanity and of uh, uh, and, and of other things, you know, are uh, and of exclusivism of, of Christ and His and the way of salvation. None of those things are popular in our culture, and so it's very easy to batten down hatches, shut up, be quiet, and get along with your day, saying, "I'm just going to focus on myself. I'm just going to focus on my family." You may focus only on my local church. Uh, but Christ's call on your life and Christ's call on my life and Christ's call on his churches is much bigger uh, and it is much more eternal. And it is one that we share with the people of Israel, with these people here in Haggai. So let me read Haggai chapter 1, verses 12 through 15, and hear what, hear what God says. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God, and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message, I am with you, declares the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the twenty-fourth day of the month, in the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, we thank you that by your grace and your wisdom, um, despite your churches, uh, for the most part, our church, having to be scattered and not able to meet because of this weather, Lord, you have uh, appointed this time and you have given such a technological means as this that we still might hear the word together, that we might be together uh, so much as we can online. And so, God, would you use this platform? Would you keep it stable? 
uh, and would you use this word for your glory? Uh, so, Father, I now pray that whatever proceeds from this mouth that is not of you would fall to the floor and remain unheard. For the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Lord Jesus, you said, heaven and earth may pass away, but your word will never pass away. So would you speak to us, Lord? Help us to hear your voice from your word. Holy Spirit, come, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So, 520 B.C., and remember, Haggai's ministry is... Uh, the whole book of Haggai is three and a half months. In three and a half months, by the word of God coming through Haggai to the people, they move from apathy, uh, introversion in a negative sense, self selfishness and self-focusedness. That's a word. And they move from this, this apathy to, as one commentator says, vigorous action. So there is a shifting in palpable real life, they, they move from focus upon self, focus upon building themselves, or even keeping their heads down under opposition to saying, God has called us to do this, and it's by means of the Word. And what we see happening here at, this, at the end of chapter 1 is there is a stirring up of God. There is, uh, the Word isn't used, but this is a renewal by the power of God, renewing His people toward His ends. But notice, as much as we want personal renewal, personal revival, and renewal and revival in our churches, renewal and revival is always pre preceded or connected to repentance. Renewal and revival and reformation, uh, according to God's Word, is at least accompanied by repentance. This is the invitation earlier in Haggai when the God through the prophet, he says, consider your ways. Several times uh, in verse 5, he says, consider your ways. Verse 7, consider your ways. Recognize when your life, your thinking, your believing, your loving, your actions, your lack of action, recognize when they are out of joint, out of step with what God has said in His Word and what He is communicating through His Word by the Holy Spirit. That when we see my life is here, God says my life ought to be here, and He reveals that gap by means of His Word, then it is incumbent upon us as God gives us grace, which He promises, that my life move from here to there. There has to be a change of mind, there needs to be a change of heart, a change of affection, and a change of will, a change of doing. And repentance wraps up in all three of those. My mind changes, my heart changes, I begin to love as God loves, who God loves, the things that God loves, I begin to aspire toward the things that God would have me long for, and then I begin to do it. I begin to do, so that there is a mind, a heart, and a will transformation that's happening according to the Word of God, by the power of God, in repentance, towards renewal. Renewal is not just a, an emotional stirring up. It's not something that simply, I feel differently, but it is incumbent, it, it, it encompasses, excuse me, it encompasses life change. And so what we see now, the people have heard the word of God, they've heard how they're out of step with God, 
and they've seen the repercussions of, in their own lives that of, the, of being out of step with God. That, that there's a drought, that the, the house of God lies in ruins, and nothing that they do is fulfilling, nothing that they do is flourishing, nothing that they are doing is as it ought to be, because they're out of step with God. And now, you have a choice to make as you learn, as God reveals to you today, maybe your life is out of step. Maybe my life is out of step. That repentance is not just a one-time thing for the Christian. It is, a, it is a lifelong cycle. It's a lifelong process where God reveals things to us through His Word. And we repent in response to God's Word. And renewal and refreshing and revival at times comes by those means. So they, they hear the remnant of the people there in verse 12. They've heard the Word of God. And how do they respond? They obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of, the, of Haggai the prophet. They obey. They say, yes, we agree with God. Yes, we've been focused wrongly upon ourselves, wrongly upon our own little kingdoms, and we need to refocus and reinvest ourselves into God and His work. For them in the Old Covenant, that meant they needed to rebuild God's house. To be about the worship of God meant they needed to rebuild the temple. For us, as we've talked about, the church is a spiritual house built with, with living stones, the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Peter. And so we need to be about building up not buildings, not an earthly kingdom, but we need to be about building up God's people. We need to be about the mission of discipleship, making disciples of all nations, we need to be about the business of evangelism, making sure that people who have not heard or have not yet believed hear Christ and see Him, see acts of love and acts of mercy done by His people, by a transformed people living as lights in a sin and darkened world. So they obey um, as the Lord their God sent them. They recognized that in Haggai, God's word was being spoken. They recognized in Haggai, in the prophet, whose words are now recorded as Holy Scripture, they recognized the word of God, and they responded in obedience. But their obedience is, is rooted in God's word, and they recognized that God had sent Haggai, and then at the end of verse 12, and the people feared the Lord. The fear of the Lord is not um, like one would fear the boogeyman or something or monsters in the closet or some other impending doom. The fear of the Lord is a reverential posture towards God. It is a bending of the knee. It is a humbleness of spirit, a pop recognizing our poverty of spirit, what Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 5, that, that we are not God and that we owe everything to Him. And it requires humility. The fear of the Lord is the fountain of wisdom. It's the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of wisdom. Uh, beginning of wisdom, the beginning of knowledge, the writer of uh, Proverbs, Solomon tells us in Proverbs chapter 9. But this is worship. So obedience flowing from recognizing the word of God into worship of God. 
Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, he's the prophet of, of Yahweh, spoke to the people the Lord's message. And this is the root. Here is the treasure. Here's the treasure, okay? Not just that God's telling you to do something. What you need to walk away with this morning is it, maybe it is, maybe, I mean, maybe this is the fact that your life is over here when God tells you your life needs to be here. Maybe you're thinking and believing this. Maybe you're acting this way. Maybe your relationships are like this, not ordered according to God's word, but ordered according to your own selfishness and what the, maybe what the world around you is telling you. And God's saying, you need to begin to order your life as I've revealed in Scripture. And that should bring a convicting weight upon you. But... Yet, do not stop there. This is not just a weighty message. The invitation to repentance is an invitation of grace. It's an invitation of God's grace. And this is, the, this is the crux of it. This is the source of our repentance. The source of our blessedness. He speaks this message to the people in verse 13. I am with you, declares the Lord. Contemplate that for a moment. God doesn't just, from, from beyond time and space, lob volleys of condemnation upon your life. But He's saying, I want you to blossom and to flourish and to be whole humans. And we are only whole humans in the image of God. Sin corrupts that, it twists that, it maligns that and turns us inwardly upon ourselves, which turns us into some, some sin-mutated ghoul. And God's saying, I'm, I'm turning you back out towards me to be what you're supposed to be. And I'm with you to do it. The change that happens in our lives is not accomplished by our own willpower. It's not accomplished by our own ability. It's not accomplished by you, uh, I'm, you know, I'm working on habits, maybe you've read my blog and stuff. You know, it's not just accomplished there. Yes, it requires work, but change in our lives is sourced by the power of God. I am with you, says the Lord, and I'm with you to justify you, to sanctify you, to grow you up. That if there's any goodness in us, and if there's any will to change... It's evidence of God's working within us. He is with us to will and to work toward His pleasure. The Apostle Paul says, to will and to work, those are from God. They're evidences of God. And we just celebrated Christmas. And this is the great promise, the great fulfillment of, I am with you, says the Lord. This wonderful promise that He gives to the people in 520 B.C. is fulfilled in a full way. That's what fulfilled me. It flourishes, it blossoms 520 some odd years later with Christ, Emmanuel, God with us to make us alive and to bring us out of sin, despair, darkness and bring us into light and life in Him. And the Lord stirred up the Spirit. Again, you see God's presence is in His life, in the lives of His people and he stirs up the leadership, Zerubbabel. He stirs up 
uh, stirs up the, uh, the spirit of Joshua, the high priest, and he stirs up all of the people so that in leadership, and in, in both the, the civil leadership of Israel, but in the religious leadership of the people of Israel, and in the populace of Israel, we see the Spirit of God aligning them to work towards God's ends. He stirs them up. Here is renewal. That God would stir them up and bring them into repentance, into renewal. Times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. Acts 3, let me read that to you real quickly. Acts 3, 19 and 20. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. Verse 21. Whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago, like Haggai. But did you catch it? Repent, therefore, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Oh, if there's, a, if there's a, a gap between where your life is and where God says your life ought to be, look to him and say, bring me into alignment with your will. Sometimes that means you, you might have to leave old relationships. You have to leave old patterns of thinking and old patterns of belief and old patterns of behavior. But dear ones, this is not just a moral code. You leave all those th things not just to be good because you can't be good on your own, but you leave all those things because of Jesus, because you have Christ, and because Christ is worth it. He is worth it. And they came, and they worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, the Lord of angel armies. They worked on the house, physical building. We, as God's spiritual priesthood now, read First Peter there in chapter 2, that same section about living stones, that the church would be a chosen people, a royal priesthood. He approaches, applies, excuse me, applies all of these titles to the church that he applies, that the quotations of the Old Testament he applies to the church there, for our spiritual function to build up followers of Christ. So how ought we to work now? How ought we to work? I'm going to give you three three places, four places. Take back. Uh, how ought we to work now, having experienced the grace of God in Jesus? Now. If, if you're not repenting and trusting in what Christ has done for you on the cross, saying, I can't save myself, I'm not good in and of myself, I need what Jesus has accomplished for me, I need the victory of the empty, empty tomb, I need the power of the Spirit now uh, to live a new life, and, and I'm going to turn from my old way and follow Him. If, if there's no turn, if there's no change, uh, then you, you can't will and work toward His glory. You can't will and work for the purposes of Christ. Christ will not be the appendix to your story. He must be the center of your story. He must be the center of your life. And there, as Christ as the center, you have the fountain of new life flowing into all parts of your life. So how ought we to work? We'll work towards personal holiness. That's, that should not sound oppressive. Holiness, following the will and the work of Christ, how He's revealed how we ought to live, Holiness is 
happiness. It is true happiness. I'm not saying if you're a happy person, you're a holy person, but holy people are happy people. So live your, begin to conform your life and see that the Holy Spirit would conform your life to the image of Jesus. Secondly, Jesus is, is the root of your personal life. Let him and bring him in to be the root of your home life. Whatever your home looks like, if you're a single person, make Christ the, the way that you order your home. The standard of your finances and, um, and what your home looks like and how you utilize it for hospitality, inviting the stranger in to be a neighbor. The neighbor prayerfully becomes a family member through Christ. Um, but order your home. Parents, this means one thing with your kids, another thing for simply people who are married people, but Christ at the center of your home. Uh, labor in the body. Be a member of a local church. Uh, and if you're a member of Blaney, praise God. Uh, if you're not a member of Blaney and you need a church, you're an Elgin, join us. That's great. But wherever you are, connect with a Bible-believing, gospel-preaching, Christ-following church. And labor there. Not just in the buildings and the budgets. Those things are important. And I'm thankful for the people that we have that labor there but pour into other people. Connect with other people because it is the people that are the spiritual house. It is the people that will be the enduring family of God. So how can you love people in the church? Are there people, and I know there are, the people in the church that you attend, and prayerfully I hope that you become a member of, that you commit your family and your life to, who are the people that you don't know? When, you, when we all regather together, who will you not know? And who can you introduce yourself to? And say, you know, I know we met one time, but I don't remember your name. And everybody be gracious with one another. Because we need to be pouring into each other. And God has us together for his glory. To be real people with each other. Not some smiling facade. But labor towards other people. Find people that you can connect with, that you can pray with, that you can study scripture with, connect with a, a group of other Christians and be in the word of God. Connect. How else might you work for Christ's church, for his body? Go and find them. That God's people are not yet complete. There remains people who, have, who will believe in the name of Jesus Christ. They just need to hear it from your lips. They need to see Him in your life. Work for the cause of Christ. Personally, in your home, in your church, and in this world. Now, all of those are be, could be a series of sermons on their own. But work as people who have been renewed. Right? We need God's renewing touch to refocus us on Jesus. God, the Holy Spirit revives us, renews us to focus on Christ. The Holy Spirit's ministry is to glorify Jesus. And He stirs us up towards Christ, towards the kingdom of God, towards the people of God, towards obedience to God. The Spirit of Christ is not stirring you up to be selfish and to be focused upon yourself, but to pour out your life for your family and for others. There's so much I want to say, but I'm going to end it here. I'm so glad that you have joined me in our home by the fire, uh, here at the Fireside Pulpit. And I look forward to regathering next week as God allows 
uh, on t at 10 a.m. in Blaney Baptist Church. But in the meantime, the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you, and may he cause his face to shine upon us and be gracious to us. Stay warm. <laughs>